2: Live from Florida's capital city, this is Tallahassee's Morning Show with Preston Scott on 100.7 FM WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Three, two,
0: one, here we go.
3: Eight minutes past 8 a.m., third hour of the program, program 3304 of the morning show here on 100.7 FM WFLA. Tuesday, February 23rd, let me get stated right up front here. We have the potential of some really bad weather coming our way later today, tonight, in the overnight hours, and I'm talking about there are there are scenarios out there where we could be seeing 70-mile-an-hour winds, and I don't have to tell you, we've got a lot of trees in our community, okay? So as you get up tomorrow morning, even if you're out late tonight, be safe. If you can be home, just be home, okay? This is just, this is one of those freak storm systems where a couple of fronts are colliding, And anything can happen, all right? And this shift, this thing shifts one way or the other. We could even see some uh, tornadic weather. Uh, So just everybody be advised, keep listening to 100.7 FM WFLA, and we'll keep you in the loop with the uh, weather channel and the updates, all right? We're joined this hour in studio by Leon County Sheriff Mike Wood. Uh, Sheriff, good to see you. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Good to be here.
3: I was just telling you off air, uh, there are a lot of people over the years, we've done this show a long time now, that – when, when things get a little controversial, uh, somebody gets a little blowback on something, they don't really want to talk anymore about it uh, for whatever the reason. Either they feel like they got burned by the original reporting entity or or they just didn't see a winning scenario here. And I was really grateful, and I am grateful, that you've taken the time to come in and talk about a couple of bills that have been very controversial in the state. And uh, and, and I wanted to just give you an opportunity to kind of lay out your perspective on them and I, and I think my audience knows we're not going to agree probably on the bottom line here, and we'll talk through that. But let's start with uh, two session bills uh, that, that have come up and have died. A member of the Senate killed them both. And first, open carry. Open carry is uh, obviously it's, it's, it, it, it would allow someone with a concealed carry permit to carry their handgun in, an, in a holster outside their clothing. Um, but the purpose of it, I think, as you know, the intent was to simply avoid arresting somebody that inadvertently displays a gun that's under their clothing. Um, What are your fundamental concerns about open carry?
1: Well, first of all, not to defer from answering the question, which I will do, but I want to thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, I wanted the opportunity to have this conversation because I don't think I have a choice to come here or not to come here because it's my responsibility to the community that I serve and the people that pay my salary. So, when you call, whether it's popular or unpopular, although I choose A at every opportunity, <laughs> I will come. As it relates to the open carry, uh, you know, not mincing words, I was not in favor of the open carry bill. And you're not alone. There are other sheriffs in the, in the state that aren't either. And, and I just happen to know this through, the, through FSA. There's 47 sheriffs that voted in opposition to open mm-hmm. carry. Uh, but with that not, you know, that notwithstanding, I have to be responsible for my own decisions. And so the mechanism that I came by that decision is it relates to open carry. I think that most of the advocates of, of concealed carry, uh, and I'm one of those advocates, by the way, uh, would tell you there's a tactical advantage to concealed carry. I think we would all agree that training is something that could be strengthened statutorily moving forward with all of our uh, gun permitting uh, processes. Although that's not something I'm openly advocating or pursuing, but the training is very minimal. So as it relates to open carry, there's two phases for me. I see it as uh, the responsibility to the deputy sheriffs and the citizens, of course. And as deputy sheriffs go into circumstances, and in, in they're you know, infinitesimal, I could describe a multitude of circumstances, where people are openly carrying, I think it creates some some concern it creates a uh, lack of the ability to to focus on the real problem because you're seeing openly carried weapons <clears throat> and so i think it creates a complex circumstances it makes the deputy struggle to focus on the problem at hand when he is facing you know a circumstance where there's openly carried firearms surrounding him or her bearing in mind not every circumstance we go into is clinically clean and environmentally safe you know we do things After hours, at night, high crime areas, there's a multitude of circumstances that deputies face. So, you know, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one circumstance.
3: Other deputies, other sheriffs, other departments, other law enforcement people, because 45 states now have open carry in one form or another. Texas, the most recent, have had zero incidents since it went into effect January 1. Across the state, zero incidents. Here's my question some say if someone does carry openly first few do there are some that do but very few do but that those that do some law enforcement might say I'd rather know they're there I'd rather see the handgun than not see it in a given situation
1: do they have an argument well you know I I would defend that and in that if someone has illegal intentions, you know, nefarious intentions, they're, they're going to do something to hide or conceal their weapon. As it relates to the open carry and the quality citizens that are legally carrying, if, in fact, the statute were passed and they were carrying openly, I think they would become a potential target. You know, we, going back historically, uh, Preston, law enforcement officers were killed more often with their own guns than with the bad guy's guns. And that's why we train retention. We've modified our equipment safety holsters you just can't come and pull my gun out of my holster anymore there's a mechanism to do it and that's all about gun retention Mm -hmm. so as a citizen carrying a gun openly if i'm a bad guy and i see that gun he's my first target i'm either going to take his gun or i'm going to kill him first and so that's just a that's a theoretical argument i don't know that it's uh i don't say it's right or wrong that's my position on it 15
3: minutes past 8 o'clock. We're with Sheriff Mike Wood of Leon County. We're talking about a couple of gun bills that have died a painful death this session. They will be back. I can assure you of that next session under new leadership let's go to the weather channel forecast center terry smith with your wfla forecast terry
4: good tuesday morning preston this is one of those days you're going to want to stay on top of the weather through the course of the day we have some scattered showers today but the potential for storms tonight some of those possibly severe i'm 100.7 FM wfla's terry smith in the weather channel forecast center
3: Sheriff, I want to, I and, and I think you know, again, statistically, most people in open carry states, and again, 45 of them. What makes Florida the state that doesn't want to do it? And what did they get all wrong?
1: Well, let me, let me address that just, just a little bit if I could. First of all, I've been in touch with, uh, with, with a National Academy graduate of mine who was a police chief in Texas, and mm-hmm. he's a city manager now, retired, done pretty well. But anyway, point is, he acknowledges the open carry. He says they very rarely see it. Right, he's not spoken to me about any incidents. So just just so you'll know, I'm following up. I'm paying attention to what's happening, uh, and certainly I will I will monitor that as it relates to my position it, at any given time. My position is what it is today, sure. I, and I don't apologize for that. The 45 open carry states argument. You know, I'm not prepared to go into a, a significant amount of statistical debate, but what I can tell you, once again, through my National Academy associates, I have a friend whose wife is a police chief in Manchester Township, New Jersey. Okay, they're an open carry state. In order to get a, in order to get a firearm permit to carry a firearm in that town, you make application to the local police chief, and you have to describe the. Horrible circumstances you were either previously faced with, or the danger you routinely face every day, i.e., a special circumstance for them to issue that weapon. They issue less than one percent of the applications. Oh, I know. Issued, I'm well aware of what happens there. But they're an open carry state, right? So if you count them as an open carry state, I would suggest Florida is far more liberal with our ability to carry firearms as we should be than New Jersey, who is a quote unquote open carry state.
3: But does it trouble you that people do get arrested because they just inadvertently? have a firearm or, and I mean, it literally, someone reaches up on a shelf and there's the gun. And, and I mean, there is some truth to the fact that it, it,
1: it's what nips the whole prosecution of that person in the bud. Well, I can tell you in the second judicial circuit, there has never been an arrest for that. Never, none, zero. Now I can't speak to the entire state of Florida, but an inadvertent exposure There's never been an arrest in the Second Judicial Circuit for that. And what I could tell you is the day that all the controversy sparked, because I did send one of my staff members to the Capitol, Mm -hmm. it was an amendment to the potential bill passing that would rather than allow for open carry, would create extenuating circumstances to forgive for inadvertent exposures. Although I stand on, we're not making cases for inadvertent exposures. There's been zero cases in this circuit. I want to take. I want to have plenty
3: of time to talk about the other bill because it's the one that bothers me the most. It's campus carry. Okay, and we'll do that right after the break. It's eighteen minutes past eight a.m. We are with Sheriff Mike Wood of Leon County, and we're talking about uh, next. We're talking about the campus carry bill here on WFLA.
2: The most trending news stories updated at the top of the hour. What we need is action. Exclusively on one hundred point seven FM WFLA. Never ask a Glenn Beck. Hey, what's going on? If you want to know what's really going on so you can make judgments today, you should probably listen to this program. Next at 9. Because now it doesn't matter. On 100.7 FM, WFLA.
3: All right, it's 61 degrees outside. Leon County Sheriff Mike Wood with me. We uh, Before we polish off open carry, got a question from a uh, a listener called in. A trooper called in. How do we know who is the good guy, who is the bad? Is that part of your argument?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you get
3: you, know, but you can say that about anybody. Whether they're, I mean, you know, I'm more inclined to think if a guy's carrying on a holster, he's a good guy. Well,
1: I don't want to oversimplify, but you sure. get, you get you respond to an armed robbery and you get to a, a minute market, a bank, whatever, and there's four guys with guns there. Now, if they're holstered, certainly that's going to register with you. But once again, it goes back to my original comment training i'm going to struggle to get beyond those guns to the point of the of the to the focus of the real problem until i resolve those issues sure and so once again if those were the law-abiding concealed carry permit holders and there are many Mm -hmm. then i don't have that issue to deal with
3: yeah we were just talking about the stats the stats are overwhelming i mean the truth of the matter is statistically concealed carry weapon uh uh permit uh licensees i should say are statistically least likely to commit a crime even well beyond law
1: enforcement and i don't argue that with statistics.
3: let's talk about campus carry uh i have a real problem with not allowing 21 year olds and i agree with you on training i'm let's raise the bar on training i'm good with that but here's the thing i fundamentally have a problem with the with the facts that first of all on any mass shooting on any active shooter situation most times It's over before a 911 call can get a responding law enforcement officer there. It's done. The exception at Strozier was a guy who really, I think you would admit, at Strozier, the guy with the gun, he really wasn't prepared to commit damage because of the caliber he used and the way that he engaged the the targets. But you had a concealed carry weapons. uh, You had a CCW guy there who was completely unable to protect himself. And yet, statistically, all of these mass shootings, where there's three or more, they happen 70% of the time in a, in a gun-free zone. And that includes
1: our campuses. Well, I won't argue with those statistics. I can tell you that, you know, we do workplace violence symposiums. And, you know, from uh, 2003 or four, I believe, maybe 2001 to 2013, the statistics were 168, quote-unquote, mass shootings, if you will, workplace violence shooting incidents. And out of all of those one hundred sixty eight two were resolved with someone with a concealed carry and and you're right, it starts and it ends before you know it, which is why we do train tactically totally different. We don't wait for sWAT teams to assemble, we get there, we respond, and we you know it's active shooter training that's what we do now because we've evolved with the problem the The fact that I'm opposed to campus carry it's not that. You know, it's not that I'm fundamentally opposed to concealed carry, period. Obviously, you know I'm not. I've said I'm not. On campuses, I just think there's such a mixture of uh, of the emotions of school and the pressures, youngsters from home. And I know it's the 21-year-olds. I get that. But they, they all mix together. And there's alcohol. There's an overabundance of alcohol, presence of drugs. There's just a multitude of contributors that give me cause for consternation. And I'll close out really quick with this, Preston. You know, as a father of two college students here locally, you know, for the very reasons some of my friends suggest that we should openly carry, that's that's my argument that we shouldn't. Because I think due to lack of training, I think there's a huge potential for collateral damage.
3: But if your child was attacked, like the young lady that's in, you know, president of Florida concealed uh, on campus and raped, you can't throw a set of keys at the rapist. You can't stop them. She tried running to a call center on campus. She couldn't do anything. Our campuses are wide open cities. They're not government buildings with uh, uh, or airports with one or two points of entry and excess. You know, or exit. I don't understand what the problem is with it. Just giving people the option of carrying on campus, and and I just I've talked to people that have been victims, and I know you have too, Sheriff. We're still talking about statistically. You're dealing with because the concealed carry numbers on crimes. Include 21-year-olds, and they still have a 20 times less uh, rate of, of, of breaking a law than a law enforcement officer in some jurisdictions. In some jurisdictions, Thank well, but, but But still, it's still remarkably less statistically, statistically, no matter what. No matter what. And so I guess I'm, I'm still getting down to, is there a possibility? Yeah, but the other insurmountable fact is there are guns on campus right now being carried by bad guys. Why not change that? Why not put the deterrent? You know as well as anybody in law enforcement, the guy that has the sign that says security provided by is least likely to get broken
1: into and burglarized than the neighbor that doesn't. It's the deterrent factor, right? Well, I don't know that it's such an immediate impact from a deterrent standpoint. And I think once again, as a person responsible for public safety before i just categorically make that decision Mm -hmm. i just think i have to weigh in the potential for collateral damage but and and you know as well as i do when when legislation is written it's not black or white it's not in or out no
3: but what's happening now what's what is it when someone goes on campus and shoots and kills people is that what is that i mean i i get the point yeah and and you know when i went through training i I had to learn line of sight, you know who 's behind you can 't just fire away like the old wild west you know you can 't do that, but that 's where we have to expect that you know these are these are people that are
1: taking that responsibility and again. These are law-abiding people that statistically don't break laws. And my argument to you was the training you went through would be an anomaly compared to the training that the vast majority of concealed carry permit holders get.
3: But isn't it still their right? And as it is right now, there is nothing they can do to defend themselves. You would agree. That's why you send your your men and women in with guns. Sure. They're not going in with nightsticks. They're not going in with pepper spray. They're going in with guns. because guns. But guns stop guns. And, and and pepper spray doesn't work. So it, my contention is, okay, if the state isn't going to provide protection on the campuses, and they can't, you know that, it can't be done. These are open campuses. People come and go all the time. Um, then what's the answer? To make people safe.
1: Well, there is no perfect world, and there's no perfect answer. Agreed. And I think that Florida State provides, and the local universities, TCC, family they provide quality law enforcement but like you said you know as it relates to the sheriff's office or the police department we can't be everywhere all the time i understand they can't be
3: there on campus either and
1: and i understand huge campus and so what i what it comes down to for me is i weigh the potential for the for the for the attack versus the potential for collateral damage or other problems associated with concealed carry on campuses now once again i've had this conversation outside of a microphone yeah and You know, I'm not opposed to, because you talk about 21-year-olds, you know, they fight for our country. Well, so do so do 18-year-olds, by sure. the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not sure where you draw that line.
3: Well, we've drawn it. It's 21 right now, and that's, I think, where people are comfortable societally as, as a nation. And, you know, that's kind of where it is, but it's 21-year-olds. But a 19-year-old veteran may argue with you on that. Obviously. And I wouldn't argue with that 19-year-old veteran that's defending my country. <laughs> so Exactly. But as it relates to on campus, that's where we are. But we're not allowing people to, to fulfill their constitutional right In a place that can't be protected. Would you then support legislation where the state would be held liable? Where a business would be held liable? If someone with a CCW were injured in a shooting where they could not defend themselves because they followed the law, but they were shot?
1: No, I wouldn't support that legislation. Then what are you going to do? What I mean, so you're. I mean, once again, this is not Dodge City, okay, and I understand that. But bad guys think it is, and they actively take. Again, gun-free zones are picked for a reason. Well, and here's the bottom line, President, and you know this, and I've, you know you and I've had this discussion on another topic. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the gun violence in this community can be identified in in a, uh, in a very small radius area. So it's not like guns are rampant and people are being shot every day all over town. I, and, and trust me, I'm not trying to digress from the ability to openly carry. I think people should, I'm um, um, sorry, concealed carry. Mm-hmm. I'm an advocate. I'm a Second Amendment advocate. I'm a concealed carry advocate. I want you to be able to protect yourself. The recipe for protecting yourself on campus, that, that gives me consternation. It does. With the student body, we have 60,000 students a year coming to town. It just creates concerns for me that I've just not overcome. Okay. Bearing in mind, I'm not the final say on this there is a legislature I, I understand i'm just telling you the truth because one of the things i can't stand about politicians and elected officials is tap dancing i get you i'm telling you where i stand
3: bad guys have guns though they still do and they always will and always have and they're going to still have them and the good guys are being prevented we'll leave it there you're a good guy for coming in thanks sheriff thank you for your time it's 8:30 uh, let's do some news come back big story in the press box The referendums that uh, are being kicked around here locally. Step into the world
0: of power,
3: loyalty, and luck.
0: I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
3: Do we need him? Do we not need him? Also, what have we done? Uh, a story from the news that reflects a little bit of our culture today. That and more still to come on 100.7 FM, WFLA.
4: The most important issue in this coming election, I would say definitely health, because it's costing us so much money.
2: (laughs) 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 Spend time with Preston after 9 a.m. Check out the stories handpicked for you on the Preston Scott blog at WFLAFM.com.
3: Okay, it's 37 minutes past. 8 o'clock here on WFLA, and uh, good to be with you. 62 degrees outside right now. It's warming up, and again, severe weather coming our way. Just website, online, radio, 100.7 FM. Remember, WFLA-FM on iHeartRadio.com. All right, let's pivot here. The big story in the press box, not just the referendums that uh, Bill Proctor talked about. You can listen to Hours 1 or 2. Your reaction to our conversation. 205 WFLA, two hundred I'd like to get a snapshot of what you think. Uh I'm gonna and look, I'm reading the email. Okay. I can see the email here. I want to give credit where credit's due. Sheriff Wood knew coming in. I disagreed with him. He came in. Most people in this town, look, I've got three thousand three hundred and three shows under my belt before this one. Most people in this town, from our congresswoman, Gwen Graham, to our former city manager, to some elected officials, if they know you disagree with them, they'll have nothing to do with you. The mayor won't take a phone call or a question. The mayor, the sheriff of Leon County, came in and said, anytime, be happy to talk. There you go. Big difference right there in the responsiveness, and I appreciate that. I don't have to agree with people, and I oftentimes don't. Heck, there are times I don't agree with myself. But the fact of the matter is you must credit him for coming in and talking and being open to receiving questions and having a dialogue about those two very contentious issues. Now, I am really fiery mad at uh, State Senator Miguel Diaz de la Portilla for personally just killing this and not allowing this. This is a bigger issue than him. But that being said, what do you think about what you heard? 205 WFLA, 205-9352. Uh, your reaction, you were getting calls left and right.
4: Uh, yeah, some uh, disagreed with you, some agreed with
3: you. Now, the facts are on my side because there are no facts. It's it's a It's a feeling. And, it's, and his is based on years in law enforcement. I get that. Absolutely. But the facts are not on his side or on the side of Senator
4: Diaz de la Portilla, or anyone else that opposes either of the issues. The facts are not. The phone calls that I was receiving were from gentlemen that uh, were in law enforcement. Either made that known or you could tell that they were in law enforcement. And... And you know, I, I forwarded one of those questions on to you. The other question that I did receive that uh, uh, about the open carry was more to do with uh, plain clothes police officers, mm-hmm. and, and how do you how do you tell how do you deal with that them being plain? clothes? You don't until officers. there's a reason for there to be a crime. I mean, it's just you know,
3: and again, most don't. That's the thing. If you look at the other states that have open carry, people don't. They just don't. Uh, it, it's a. It's just. It's a protection for. And, and I'm glad. Second, you know, uh, district here, as it relates to the state attorney's office, hasn't prosecuted anybody for that. Awesome. Good. That's just not the case statewide. And it's another layer of protection. I'm more personally. I'm more interested in the campus carry. The campus carry is what really bugs me. Uh, I I still don't have an issue with open carry. Texas put it into law in January, and uh, no issues, no incidents. It's a non-factor. I I literally have two dozen email here. And uh, there's just, again, there's no record of any shooting caused by a lack of training of a license holder. That's not the reason. I I don't have a problem. I think people ought to be trained properly. But that's, you know, that's my opinion on that. And and I I've, I've I've learned that firsthand. There's a huge difference between going to the Talon Range and getting training and going into the side room of a business with a guy that opens up a briefcase, hands you a few forms and then takes out literally a paper target and hands you a BB gun with a plastic BB and that's how you demonstrate uh, that you can fire
4: a gun. And I didn't know that uh, classes like that existed until you brought it to, to my attention. I did it. And recently uh, we had uh, a co-worker who came in from Panama City to Tallahassee to take the concealed uh, training with her husband. And I speci- specifically asked them, did you shoot the the pellets? And he was like, no, absolutely. We we had real guns. It was real training. It was mm-hmm. the full-on good because it's a responsibility and it's a serious one
3: i got a note here from someone listening in michigan uh in michigan there's no law restricting open carry uh there's no such story or evidence that can make the case for open carry making you a target in fact open carry is a deterrent to crime there's stories pertaining to this criminals have uh have been known to wait for open carriers to leave before they rob places. I know this. I carry one hundred percent of the time, I'd say fifty percent of the time it's done openly. Kelly, thanks for uh for writing in from Michigan. And again, listening to the conversation. This is this is not just Florida. This is a conversation, but in forty five states it's been settled. There is, and I understand the the nuanced differences in states, but still forty five states have some form of open carry. Florida is right now, in my opinion, archaic. Uh, another another email. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, of all college campuses that have concealed carry allowed, none of them have had any problems with concealed weapon holders. None. And, and again, that's what I'm saying. The numbers would point to concealed carry uh, weapon licensees are... Actually more law-abiding than law enforcement by a factor of as much as 6, 10, 20, depending on the jurisdiction. But nationally, 124 per 100,000 uh, crimes committed by law enforcement officer per 100,000 law enforcement officers. And in the state of Florida, it's something like 12 and a half.
4: Doesn't this come down to more of a, more of a situation where if your name is attached to it and it goes bad then you have to live with that the rest of your life? What do you mean? If if you're the sheriff, if you're in the legislature, if you allow this to be heard, if you allow this to be passed, and it goes bad, somebody gets hurt, somebody gets killed, Well, then fingers are going to point at you and say, hey, you did this. You allowed this to happen. You didn't stop it. Yeah, and...
3: It, it, And that was the question that I think really hangs over this whole discussion. In terms of if we have an incident on a campus, you know, that's why you know I I mention fine. Let's hold let's hold the state responsible. If they're going to say you can't carry in these locations, then there should be a reasonable expectation of safety provided. For example, if you go into a government building here in town, that the, the state senate, state house. Governor, you're going through security, metal detectors, and there's armed police, Capitol police. There's a reasonable expectation that if you don't bring a gun onto the property there, that you're going to be safe because of the the nature of the security provided therein. That can't be done on a college campus. And therefore, because they're restricting it, state lawmakers, by the virtue of one person, then they should bear the responsibility financially should there be a, a uh, an injury due to someone with a concealed carry that cannot protect themselves now i will tell you uh, and i've got email galore on this there are all kinds of people carrying concealed on campuses right now and they'll take they'll find another job there are professors and administrators and workers they'll find another campus but they're not going to find another life so they'll just you know they'll just they'll carry concealed and they'll let the chips fall where they may okay you want to kick me out of school fine i'll go to college somewhere else but you can't replace me to my family to my loved ones to my friends to my co-workers so i'll take that 846 on wfla man everybody's writing nobody wanted to call in and go on the record on their with their voice interesting I I kid you, now I'm up to like 35 emails.
4: I even had one gentleman that called, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to put you on the air. He goes, oh, no, I don't want to be on the air.
3: Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the Weather Channel Forecast Center. Terry Smith with your forecast. Terry.
4: Good Tuesday morning, Preston. This is one of those days you're going to want to stay on top of the weather through the course of the day. We have some scattered showers today, but the potential for storms tonight, some of those possibly severe. I'm 100.7 FM WFLA's Terry Smith in the Weather Channel Forecast Center.
3: Marion Hammer writing me: uh, Thirty open carry states require no training at all. Yeah, I didn't Uh, realize how divisive this was. Yeah, I mean, and and and, you know, I think mandating training. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm probably not down with that. Um, Telling people take the responsibility to be properly trained, uh, whether that's training yourself or whatever, just know what you're doing with a gun. Now that's common sense to me. It's. I mean. Yeah, you you know that, that's a that's a good one because you know you could point to cars and say well we you know we train people to drive cars we require training for people to drive cars but look when it's all said and done this is about open carry and campus carry and I just you know everyone knows where I am on that but uh, keep the email coming um, I'm looking at a uh, a story here from the Ledger you know, someone wants to talk about this finally okay. Got a story here. Andre Good, 19-year-old sophomore, Florida Poly. Polytechnic University um, holding a protest on campus. It's a crime prevention issue. It's a law in other states. Students should have a right to defend themselves on campus. Period. End. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, again, I just... Let's go to David. Hi, David.
2: Hey. Um... I just want to say that I do carry concealed on campus because the campus that I go to has one security guard for the whole campus
3: does is do you affectionately refer to that person as one bullet Barney uh,
2: that one person has a gun that's and it and and they're in uniform that's it. I don't feel safe at that campus at all
3: and so what I just expressed as the likely opinion of uh, concealed carry uh, you know, folks on campus is is pretty much it, right? In other words, you right. can you can find another school if they're going to kick you out, but you're not you're not going to go down without being able to defend yourself. Exactly. I hear you. Hey, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd I love to take calls, but now it's too late. Sorry, you guys waited too long. Lesson learned, huh? When I open up the 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 spigot, come on, don't don't dilly dally. Now i got to go. It's the morning show here on 100.7 FM WFLA. But, again, my appreciation to Sheriff Wood uh, for, for coming on the show and engaging in the conversation, the dialogue.
4: I admire him for doing that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I wish absolutely. some of the other uh, officials would do the same that disagree with you and your stances on whatever it is.
3: And that's, I think, the thing I admire the most. He knew I disagreed. He knew we were going to talk about it. But uh, at any rate.
2: Make a stand with your voice, and it makes me shake my head and say, "You know what is happening to our country." One hundred point seven FM, WFLA.
3: Tomorrow on the program, CIA analyst, author Mark Henshaw joins us. He's got a book out. You can decide if you uh, if you want to read it. How much is you know inside? How much is not it's a novel but it'll be fun to talk to a guy that you know has been a cia analyst and just kind of talk about not just the book but just kind of you know where we are in this world of hacking and espionage what's it look like today also tomorrow those of you out out in the northeast you definitely have seen bannerman crossing we'll talk to uh, the developer claude walker ceo of uh, summit group he'll be with me tomorrow on the show So we just keep on rolling. Good show today. Reset that in just a moment. Big thought of the day. White House says that robots are coming for jobs that pay $20 an hour or less. White House, through its own economic report of the president, 83% chance that automation will take a job with an hourly wage of $20 and below. 83% 83% chance. 31% chance automation will take a job with an hourly wage between $20 and $40 an hour. 4% chance automation will take a job with an hourly wage above 40 Now, is this some attempt by the White House to scare everybody further in the minimum wage stuff? See, what, what we should be doing is just looking at the realities of the marketplace and letting capitalism handle it. Let the free market handle it. But what we're doing by forcing the minimum wage up artificially is we're making people obsolete before their time. The second you create an environment where an employer can say, you know, I can get a robot to do that, And I don't have to deal with Social Security. I don't have to deal with Medicare. I don't have to deal with withholdings. I don't have to deal with sick time. I don't have to deal with someone calling in sick or or not working or doing a bad job. I can just turn the switch. When we create an environment where that's more appealing than employing people, human beings, we've not helped, we've hurt. That's the big thought of the day. Time for the morning show 180. Look back at the radio program in 180 seconds or less. It's uh, it's caucus day in Nevada, 5 o'clock. They start caucusing Republicans. We'll see what happens. Rubio lived in, in Las Vegas for a little while when he was young. Is that going to help him at all? I don't know. Looks like it's the Donald's to lose, Right. We started the program with, um, with just this simple reminder. We're going to have some bad weather at some point in the next 24 hours. Be advised, keep listening to WFLA, and tell your friends to listen to WFLA. There's something you need to know. You'll know it. Simple as that. Talked about some of the numbers we got last week from Penny Herman, former city commissioner, now with Citizens for Responsible Spending. The budget of the city is just outrageously mismanaged, and it still is. Sorry, Rick, I hope you get it better, but it is. Talked about Black Lives Matter Nashville and just how racist the group is. And those that support these kinds of things, you're propagating racism. I wish I could say it more friendly, but I can't. Second hour of the show, Dave Micah from the Florida Petroleum Council. We got the uh the the dirty truth about fracking, even from the EPA, but it just it selectively releases parts of reports and minces words that really I mean, come on. The report is what it is. Fracking's not a bad thing. It would be great for Florida. Talked with Bill Proctor. Leon County Commission, always entertaining to visit with Bill. He's just a fun guy to visit with. Whether you like or dislike what he has to say. A lot of fun. And we talked about um, a couple of different things. As it relates to referendums he wants to have on the ballot. I don't think there's enough momentum there to do it unless the city does it. I don't think the city's going to do it. Then, of course, in the third hour of the program, Sheriff Mike Wood joined us. We had a really, really interesting discussion on open carry and campus carry. We couldn't disagree more, but we had a good civilized discussion. The sheriff, good guy for coming down and having the discussion knowing in advance. I wasn't going to agree with him. And we were going to talk from the standpoint of he thinks one thing, I think another. Guess what? He's the sheriff. But guess what? The law trumps all of that. And the issue is that we've got one state lawmaker that won't allow this to be debated. I have a problem with that. And I hope it costs him his political career. Tomorrow, the Wednesday edition of the radio program. Much to catch up on. Much to do. See you then.
4: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.